Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of On the Flank. I'm one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And uh, this is episode five. When it comes to analysis, we are on the flank. Uh, episode five is pretty big, Joe. Do you do you remember why? Because uh, we should be, I guess, probably after this goes up uh, onto Spotify. Oh, now, yeah. So that's cool. And those Spotify users, they're going to love us now because we're going to be on Spotify officially five episodes exploding onto the platform according according to spotify we're official now we're officially a podcast because according to them you need five episodes to be considered a podcast i guess uh this 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 past weekend thailand overwatch world cup best best group stage so far joe do you do you agree uh certainly in that it was the most interesting to watch yeah uh, i would definitely agree oh yeah um (laughs) As far as production, technical issues go, lots of those. Um, <laughs> maybe not the best in all categories, but as far as competition goes, by far the best. Uh, even if you just look at the standings, you can see second place, third place, fourth place, all three and two. All teams, three and two. I mean, you you immediately know uh, you got some good competition right there. And I, I think even Thailand and Spain were, were putting up... Uh, taking maps off of like China and Australia and these teams that were at the top. So it seemed like almost anyone could take those top two seeds. So how we, we, we've been doing, we've been reviewing these past uh, events and world cup stages a little bit different today. I've decided that I think we should go in on each team individually, all six of these teams and talk about what we liked, what we didn't like um, with each team, how the, how their performance went uh, and of course, let, let's start with the bottom of the of the standings. The 0-5 team, Spain. We talked about this last week. We expected a little bit with their um, with with their coaching problems and Neptuno not joining them. Uh, Joe, overall, after after all the catastrophes that happened with with this Spain team, they went 0-5. Do you still think they performed better than you thought they would? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Certainly. Certainly, poor team Spain, um, but yeah, I mean, all of these teams really um, have you know that player, those couple of players, um, you know that you really have to hand it to them. Is um, it from the kind of uh, the, the kind of contribution they're making to their teams? Um, you know, so for Spain, um, you know, I definitely have to uh, lean pretty heavily on Poppy Fresh um, playing lots of hit scan uh, over all these series. Um, and I mean, you know, showing, showing what he's worth, I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Poppy fresh was pretty good. I was surprised. Um, I think Spain like got, got continually worse as, as, as the weekend went on, but I was super surprised to like watch that Australia Spain game on the first, first night. And they were putting up a very good fight against Australia. And then once again against Denmark as well. And we both know that those are, two of the top teams in this group stage. Uh, and then as the weekend went on, it, it sort of seemed like Spain fell apart a little bit more. So honestly, the first day I was, I was pretty impressed with Spain and their performance did not expect them to take a map off Australia or Denmark and keep it so close against those teams. Uh, but yeah, overall Spain, they, if they had Neptuno, things probably would have been a lot better. If they had a coach, things probably would have been a lot better, but 
Yeah, I imagine it was you know mental fatigue of not having any kind of support that way. That would have been difficult. Yeah. Um, what's there's not too much more to say about about Spain. It was a disappointing weekend. We knew it would be going in. Let's move on to Thailand, a team I predicted to be in the top two, host country, of course. They got number five. They went one and four. Um, Thailand. Any any anything you want to talk about with this with Thai team? Yeah, Thailand was interesting. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you were talking last week. Um, you know, like you said you predicted a beetle because it's um, it was their home stage, right? You know, South Korea um, won in Incheon, uh, United States won in LA. Uh, but yeah, Thailand just um, I had a hard time finding their footing. I think against uh, so these other, I don't even know if more more uh, confident is the word necessarily, but I don't know just. Uh, more more cohesive teams um you know we, we had mickey on there um um you know he was the only um uh, you, you know name that you might recognize if you're a uh follower of the overwatch league but um uh, yeah i don't know that's they, they were there they, they did some good work um yeah i thailand i think just very inconsistent they were at the, they took china to five maps at one point they were taking <laughs> yeah that's honestly, probably probably the biggest contribution they had almost yeah, well, a reverse sweep yeah and just at points in all of these matches like even the first match versus denmark they took the last map and they looked like a completely different team on the last map and it's just like okay and um besides mickey of course we all know mickey pot Potapan, i believe that's how you say his name was amazing that guy was super good he's their um dps he tracer was uh he played tracer very often i i think he was he has some insane talent and everyone talks about overwatch world cup one of the best parts about it is uh we discovered this talent that we otherwise would not see like on a grander stage i think Patapan could be uh one of those future overwatch league players that we see much like mickey was discovered at the world cup and much like eqo was discovered at the world cup Patapan could be that next uh player uh, in all honesty thailand if they were in a gr- different group stage honestly i think thailand um could have placed third or fourth in these other group stages they they looked very good but they they had some tough competition out there i've seen that sentiment other places on the internet as well yeah i mean you know going into um you know group stage well about brazil particularly um actually now that i think about it um that if brazil had played in this stage they also would have done um really well yeah it's just um you know it depends on some of these groupings kind of yeah, like who who know? We'll see how how China and Australia obviously compared to to U.S., Canada, and all these other teams. Um, but th- this group was so competitive because there wasn't really a team filled with Overwatch League players. So a lot of a lot of while it was more competitive and it was a lot fun to watch. A lot of people are assuming like that these teams are just not as good as Korea, Canada, all these other teams we've seen so far. Um, making qualifying so uh, we'll, we'll see how australia and china f- face off but to get back into the teams sweden they got fourth i think we me and you both pick sweden to move on i think so yeah um they did go three and two so they did have the same record as denmark and australia uh, but they did get fourth off map differential they they were plus one on maps <clears throat> 
Um, who who were their two their two losses to were Australia and China. China, yeah. Uh, but yeah, how do you, how, how do you do? Did you like Sweden's performance this weekend? I mean, obviously disappointing. They didn't make it to top two, but um, what do you think of them overall? Yeah, Sweden was a really, really unique case. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we talked about you know one of those teams, um, basically full of Overwatch League talent, uh, and, and lots of the individual players. Um, you know, we know have been proved proven to be really good. Um, uh, particularly sharp, you know, doing doing excellent things. Um, Reinforce obviously got a storied history. Uh, chips uh, from Dallas Fuel, bunch of Florida, uh, former Florida Mayhem players. You know, um, they, they, they're all really good individuals. But I don't know. I, I never quite felt um, like the, the rest of the team, um, you know, was able to come together. You know, I think of um, I couldn't tell you what match it was. Um, might have been uh, versus Australia on Temple of Anubis. Um, that uh, the Sweden had a defense, um, you, you know, with a, a Doomfist swap, um, seemingly out of nowhere, that got absolutely nothing done. Um, uh, that, that, that's one that comes to my mind. Um, but just in general, yeah, I felt like um, there was just a little bit something missing um, to try to unify the team. Um, despite all these big individual names yeah and i don't know if it's i mean obviously florida mayhem did not perform well in the overwatch league season at all and sweden performed very well in last year's overwatch world cup but it seems like they've fallen from grace ever since as far as the swedish players go in general because florida mayhem had a terrible overwatch league season reinforce sort of stopped he wasn't on the team last year but he sort of quit overall this is his first time playing in a very long time and overall reinforce did look a little little shaky at times and he did look a little rusty at times um overall sweden i i i did expect them to make top two both of us know that um but i i didn't expect them to be as good as they were last year um and the biggest one the biggest loss was was against australia 4-0 i mean as far as Obviously, this came down to map differential, and losing 4-0 to Australia made a huge difference in Australia making it um, and Sweden not making it at the same time. Um, that was that, that was just a big one. Overall, um, Sweden, I mean, it, it, I don't know how much, how many positive things you can say about Sweden uh, because they're kind of like the it's kind of they're that roster filled with like old timer like <laughs> worn out players at this point it's like you just got to start refilling of course they got luddy and sharp who are a lot younger players but it seems like everyone on that team like manatin and uh chips are manatin's not on mayhem anymore chips is is not a, is not on the fuel roster anymore and reinforce is coming back in it's they just felt like it, it it feels like you gotta just find new players if you're Sweden at this point. Uh, it it felt like that. Anything yeah, else to the, say about Sweden? Yeah, yeah you, see, you know they came in, they had uh, they had something to prove, and then just didn't. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and even like Tavik, Tavik was at one point just like a shining star in Overwatch, and 
Um, he's still a good DPS player, but I think he's sort of fallen from the top ranks, especially with a bunch of new amazing DPS players coming in. So, um, yeah, overall, Sweden, uh, just they didn't look as good as I thought they would. We move on to Denmark, a team that looked a lot better than I thought they would. Um, Denmark, third place, 3-2. and two. They were so close, and it, it all came down because they beat Australia – they their only loss was to, was to uh, China at this point of the weekend on the last day. All they needed to do was beat Sweden, and they they would move on. They would go four and one, and they would move on. But Sweden, with a huge, huge five map uh, win, three to two against Denmark. I mean, it came down to to a final map. If if Denmark would have would have taken that final map. Um, they would have moved on because Australia ended up losing to China in the next game. Came down to one map. Uh, what did you think about this Denmark team overall? Uh, well, I just would first of all I want to continue what you were saying there because yeah, um, once uh, once Denmark lost to Sweden there on day three, um, the immediately match afterward was China versus Australia. Um, and if China had won that four zero, um, then Denmark actually would have. Uh, taken that second place spot moved on into blizzcon uh so you know their fate was out of their hands as they talk about it but um but in uh, china ended up winning three two so that wasn't the case um but it yeah back to uh, as far as this denmark teams goes um it's probably the one that i knew the least about um uh, i guess going into it um you know lots of these names uh, i assume are uh, familiar from European contenders. I uh, don't particularly watch European contenders, but uh, but yeah, it was, it was good, uh, fascinating to watch them. You know, make uh, make that mark uh, uh, in the group. Um, yeah, and they were you know one map away here, one map away there uh, from uh, taking it all the way to BlizzCon. Yeah, I, I was super. I seen Calix on the team, and people were talking about Denmark as sort of a, a dark horse. That was like the term of the weekend, dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> they were all dark horses. At the, uh, 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 an entire group stage of dark horses. Um, and I'm sure China and Australia will now be the dark horses of the top eight. Um, but overall, I. The, the Denmark team, I didn't expect them to make top two. They didn't, but they were so close. And it was, they went into day three, like it was in their hands. They controlled their destiny. And unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done. Um, they, they were so close. I, but overall, if you're Denmark, you, you perform pretty well. Um, you placed over Sweden. And I think you're happy at the end of the day if you're Denmark because. Between Denmark, Sweden, and Australia, these three teams are super even, and it and it shows in the in the standings. Um, but yeah, uh, this contenders talent. I hope people people look at these people more. Shacks, Fisher, um, both both pretty good. I believe Fisher's on on um, Houston Outlaws contenders team, maybe. Uh, it's like Optic Academy or something. GGEA. Yeah, GGEA. Yeah. He is on their team. Um and these these two players they looked they looked pretty pretty good. Um overall Denmark exceeded my expectations. I believe exceeded yours as well. 
but unfortunately just could not make it. Let's move on to Australia, the team I was ruined for all weekend, the Aussies, uh, mainly because they, they started off the weekend on a strong note, all wearing kangaroo costumes to reveal <laughs> their, to reveal their jerseys. And I, I loved that right away. I was, I was all in on the, on the Aussies cause, um, I'm also a huge fan of Costa and his his leadership. What did you think of the Aussies this weekend? Um, yeah, they were great. Um, you know, like I said uh, last week, they were my other pick uh, to make it out of the Thailand group stage. So I was one for two, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, uh, putting in really strong showings. Um, lots of lots of four and zero wins. They four zero Sweden. They four zero Thailand. Um. Uh, but and yeah, the individual talent. Then that's the other thing I would really want to talk about. Uh, CKM playing lots of far. It was great. I loved watching it. Uh, Troll playing lots of Winston. It was great. I loved watching it. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's it's those types of players that you really want to see go on and you know get picked up by some of these teams. Okay. Um, j- just for the sake of their play. Um, a, a Kraken on on off support played lots of Ana. Um, it, it was just good. Good, good Overwatch. Yeah, um, and it was awesome seeing CKM play Ferris so often. She's probably like the most counterable uh, hero in the game. When when someone pulls out Ferris, you can just easily perhaps, perhaps except for Tracer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Now that you got Brigitte in the game, but, but I, yeah. uh, Farah at CKM, so confident in that Farah, and I, I love when a team is just so confident in in a like off meta pick. Honestly. Um, and they just keep bringing it out um, uh, off meta, but at the same time, like significantly on, depending on um, you know the the team they're playing against. You know, lots of these situations, um, you know, Australia playing against a team that um, you know really favors the the three three goats um, kind of comp. Um, obviously, there's lots of variations we saw played this week, um, but yeah, running the far end of that is great. Um, they were able to take advantage of that uh, really frequently, which was good. Yeah, of course. Goats comp can't really counter fair too well, because um, their whole strategy is stand on the ground and, uh, yeah, being tanky. So, yeah, overall Australia, I think they came in confident with their strategy, and and obviously their biggest win was the four zero against Sweden. That was huge for the map differential. They were so close against China, um, and they they lost to Denmark as well. Um, but but overall, Australia, they're moving on, mainly because of that map dif- differential in that game against Sweden and just sticking it close with China. Speaking of China, they went 5-0, and and they they really exceeded expectations, and they, they showed us who we've been, tr- we've been trash-talking Chinese talent the past three weeks, and they said, on the flank is wrong. You guys are completely wrong. We're, we're, we're amazing. Uh, I don't even know if we were trash talking necessarily, uh, we, but but they definitely had to come in, um, you know, and prove themselves. Um, I think you even pointed out to me um, in an earlier conversation you know, that Chinese World Cup team last year um, also did pretty well, um, but um, hardly any of their players were signed to Overwatch League teams. Um, you know, instead we got Shanghai Dragons, but. I think the way I left it last week was, um, you know, China. Uh, hopefully, China does good. Uh, you know, they need to they need to prove themselves here going into a season two that's going to have. Um, is it yeah? Just three, uh, three Chinese uh, based teams. You know, this is this is the way. 
That's four. Um, it's kind of go. Right? Oh, it's yeah, three it's new four. ones. Okay, I wasn't three sure. Ones, yeah. Um, but yeah, so four Chinese teams. You know, this is uh, this is the way it's got to go. In order for them, um, you know, to, uh, to to build some support, right? Um, and I think they they definitely accomplished that. Uh, lots of Western support um, now after this group stage, because uh, again, playing with uh, seven teams or seven individuals, excuse me. But um, and and all of them are notable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the other thing. Um, you know, whether it was uh, Gushui, which there was a big conversation about how to pronounce that i'm going with gushway um you know playing that main tank um all the way from their support or their dps trio of uh leave and crystal and shy um just like like you know i talked about australia being a fun team to watch um china was also really really cool to watch yeah I wrote Gushui was great. And as, as a Chinese miner, I can tell you it, it should be Gushui. Um, Shui well, yeah, is a Gushui is, is Chinese for sure. So that's how you should pronounce it. Uh, but yeah, overall Gushui, I was really impressed by Gushui overall, super impressed by this Chinese team. And I know the rumors are that not only are the Chinese teams going to pick up Koreans, but the, all these new teams are mainly looking at Koreans, but um, I'd be disappointed if someone like maybe Shanghai even just says like, just continues their continues their we want Chinese players thing and says, well these these guys are these guys are pretty good. Um, I I really I would love to see I would still love to see some Chinese talent picked up by four Chinese teams. I would hope not all of them are Korean. Yeah. Um, but if that's if they trial the Koreans and they're and they're better, then I don't blame them. But you know, we, we we saw some good Chinese players. Definitely, I, I guess I, in this discussion of China, same way I ended this discussion on uh, uh, Fusion University last week, um, which is just to say, sign up. You know, we, we need uh, th- this is exactly the kind of thing we want to do. We want to see uh, here for season two. Yeah, don't and, and we're seeing some rumors about. Um, the Paris team is waiting until Overwatch World Cup next week to see how the French talent is there. I mean, just take the Overwatch World Cup into account for sure. Don't look at Overwatch League and Contenders exclusively because Overwatch World Cup, you can find people like Ikio and Mickey who are so um, important to to their team um, just on, on these random country teams. And China is certainly not a random country whatsoever. They are... They have been, uh, t- they've been top eight at the Overwatch World Cup every year. They're 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 good, um, and they've got they've got the talent to compete with these other countries. So, I think it's time to find the true players. Shanghai, <laughs> look at look at the. I mean, I cannot. I still can't believe Shanghai chose like players that weren't at the World Cup, and I chose chose some terrible players. But, uh, yeah, overall. Uh, we I could briefly we could briefly touch over uh, maybe even broadcast talent if we want because we got Brennan sideshow casting and they were unbelievably hype. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, it was good if you go back and watch um, like the ones where they casted Sweden too, because like half of their commentary was just jabs at reinforce, oh, which yeah. <laughs> which was interesting. Uh, but yeah, no. It, you know this uh we've been talking about last three weeks now last three stages um 
that this World Cup has been treated sort of yeah, as training ground um, and just um, exploratory, um, both for you know c- contenders casting talent, uh, but also people like Jake, also people like Brennan Sideshow. Uh, it's been it's been um, entertaining. <laughs> Obviously can't say it enough, but ZP should have been there from the beginning. Put put him in Overwatch League this year. And um, Brennan Sideshow, they could definitely move from the desk to, to casting because they were – I really I really enjoyed their casting. And they just have so much chemistry as roommates and pretty good friends. But I even saw someone like on the subreddit today mention like – because there was a post about Custa like um, embracing Reinforce after um, – after the weekend was done and reinforce was upset and someone was saying like reinforce shouldn't listen to his, his stupid roommates. And I was like, I, I know how roommates work and there's no way reinforce is actually like sad about his roommates trash talk, talking trash about him. That's just what roommates do. <laughs> um, but also talk about talent. I think Mika, Mika Burton, I, I thought she was really good talent ever since I saw her on uh, NA contenders and uh, she was pretty good this weekend too. Um, on the floor, of course. All right, that's woof. We we recapped one one heck of a weekend. Let's let's preview uh, the last group stage uh, in Paris, of course. This this weekend we've got finally a European European um, spot. Uh, the European people are happy. It's probably going to happen in the European time zone, as far as broadcasting goes. Everyone's happy. Um, let's just br- briefly briefly go over this one because we took such a long time to recap the Bangkok qualifier. It's good. Let's, it's good. Yeah, let's just let's just predict top top two teams um, and maybe top two teams and one team you think is gonna surprise us. Uh, well, first of all, just for everybody uh, who maybe doesn't have it in front of them, we we're sitting yeah. at uh, looking at six teams again. Uh, it's gonna be the UK, uh, Poland, Italy, Germany. France and the Netherlands oh, yeah. are your uh, your six teams in the Paris group stage. Um, of those two, definitely, uh, uh, or of those six, definitely the two I'm going for, um, pretty much without question, are France and the UK. I mean, um, uh, and again, you know, uh, th- th- this partly just because this has been a good measure in the past. Uh, but you know, France probably I think is the team that has um, the largest amount of Overwatch League talent. Uh, but not only that, it's it's significant Overwatch League talent. Uh, you know, we, we got uh, I don't I don't know exactly who their starters are. It's not indicated here. Uh, but Poco's playing on the French team, um, as is Soon and Unco, um, and AKM. Um, uh, lots of big names, lots of um, good synergies. I thought too. Um, that I'm definitely going for France there. Um, and then uh, the UK, uh, again, also happens to feature uh, another Philadelphia Fusion team, uh, team member in Boombox. Uh, amazing Xenia, as we know. But also um, several players from uh, the core of uh, British Hurricane, uh, which, uh, you, you know, obviously the London Spitfire Academy team um, we, we got Cruz um, and Fusions uh, Astro, who I think is Funny Astro, maybe. Um, I, I don't know if they play on the team anymore, but they, they used to play um, together as British Hurricane. Uh, so I really want to see them, too, again, stepping out of contenders into this um, uh, sort of larger stage. Uh, see what happens, how they can um, uh, you know, uh, start to prove themselves. Yeah, so 
I mean, exclusive disqualifier, exclusively like European teams. Uh, but I totally agree with you. France and UK, top two by far. I believe we're we're reverting back to to the uh, first two World Cup qualifiers here, and that I think it's pretty obvious the top two teams here. I, I'm not sure if we're gonna get any surprises of any sorts, really. Um, Italy's like made up of of like not even contenders teams, but open division players and overall these these player these other players on netherlands poland italy germany very just not too many well-known players on those teams um as the united kingdom and france obviously france was top four last year in the overwatch world cup and i think they are overall favored to get first in this in this uh qualifier and then the uk um, also made top eight last year uh, and I, I think, I think they'll they'll be second, probably. And I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to surprise us really with the other four teams. Um, but who, who do you think is going to win? United Kingdom, France. That's the big game. A lot like the U.S. qualifier, they have that as the last game of the entire weekend. Who do you think is going to win it? Uh, of course, they would do that. You know, they gotta uh, play, play the field as it goes. But, uh, uh, but yeah, in that in that head to head, yeah, we probably also. Um, give the edge to France, um, although like you know, it's. Uh, I feel like I just keep saying this over and over about the World Cup, um, but it's just it's just going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, see see how it is, how exactly it goes down. You know, outside of the structure of the Overwatch League uh, that we've gotten used to here in the last year, just um, just see who can throw down. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go France as well. Uh, I'm excited to see Wins. Wins was a part of uh, the Rogue roster before Overwatch League started, and we have not seen him since. This is his first time. He's a lot like Reinforce. He's his first time playing since the last Overwatch um, Overwatch World Cup. And uh, fun fact about Wins, he is AKM's older brother. So um, some some brotherly brotherly love. Um, I do think France is better than UK though. They've got they've got more Overwatch League talent. And better Overwatch League talent for sure. AKM soon are amazing players. And Unko. Um, and I, I miss Nico as well. Uh, he was very good in the Overwatch World Cup last year. And he ended up never getting an Overwatch League spot, which surprised me. But Nico, Nico's a great player. Uh, let's, let's, move on. let's move on to the news. We've got um, not as much like not as much concrete news this week as we did rumors. <laughs> Um, but we'll start with the concrete news, and then we'll we'll possibly get into um, some some rumors from, of course, Michael Zephyr. Um, he's heading on over to Florida to the Florida Mayhem. Um, Soul Dynasty, of course, was was Zephyr's old home. Sent on over to the Florida Mayhem. And and Soul is Soul's dealing a couple of their players out. Um, they're they're also they also gave Kuki to the Los Angeles Valiant. So let, let's just talk about Soul departure of these two players. Uh, what do you think? Big impact at all? Expected it? Uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, well, big impact certainly no. Uh, yeah. uh, they're they're down to um, uh, Soul is down actually to six. Uh, 
current uh, active players, including Fissure, uh, obviously got for the Gladiators, uh, nowhere, Fleta Munchkin, Toby, Zumba, and Ryu Jahong, uh, which actually, now that I'm looking at that, is not a bad roster at all. No. Um, so, so yeah, the, obviously that's their only six, so uh, presumably they'll be doing some additions to that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like um, I like you know being able to cut the fat like that. That's good. Um, you know, pre- presumably got him some money too uh, from those from those two teams. Uh, so yeah, good decision, I'd say. Yeah, I agree, and it was good for all all these teams involved. Obviously, Florida Mayhem, a pretty desolate roster right now. So getting Zephyr, getting any player is good, but getting Zephyr. Uh, for a Soul Dynasty player, that's pretty good for for Florida Mayhem, who had a pretty abysmal season one. Uh, and LA Valiant loves to pick up the scraps of the Soul Dynasty, so Kooky, they'll t- they'll take Kooky as well. Um, especially with Valiant dropped a lot of people from their bench as well, so rebuilding over there at the Valiant. Um, as far as new teams go, we've got. I mean, right now we're in the signing period for the new, the expansion teams, the eight new expansion teams. So most of our news is going to come from those teams. Um, the first piece, at first, maybe an only piece of concrete news as far as player signings and coach signings go, is uh, with the Overwatch DC team getting some um, former NYXL and that you love to hear former NYXL. If you're from Washington, DC uh, Janice and uh, wizard young, of course, the, the coach both coming to uh, both coming to DC. Uh, what do you think about this uh, as a, as starting pieces for a new roster? Yeah. I mean, you know, th- that's what it is. It's, it's a start, uh, but it's certainly a good start. Um, you know, we, we've seen, um, you know, both what um, uh, Janice is able to do mechanically as well as what uh, Wizard is able to do, um, you know, with this organization. I mean, um, and that's about all we can say right now, but uh, it's it's looking uh, positive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as uh, other players go, the GM, uh, I can't remember her name right now. But the GM, she she tweeted that um, that she's going to go for a mixed roster. This isn't going to be just Koreans. Um, and both Wizard and Janice can speak English. So um, yeah, this isn't this isn't the beginning of a of a full Korean roster, but more of a mixed roster. Um, so we'll, we'll see who else who else they signed. But uh, I I definitely think it's a great always good to start with with. Uh, two players that are on a team that knows how to succeed, you know? Um, and we got some more leaks. This one's from Real Leak Boy, who I guess is now uh, a good source, um, <laughs> possibly. Uh, but he, he talks about a replay system, which is something everyone has always talked about in Overwatch. They've Replay system would be fantastic for not only the teams to have but for the general public to have of course this tweet mentions is uh what this tweet mentions is they're unsure if it's going to be just for teams or if or if everybody is going to be able to replay all their overwatch games in game but either way um this is huge for season two owl teams they don't have to go through vods they can actually go in game see the perspectives of each character in game through replay do slow motion anything they want um 
this is going to be huge for strategies and, and, and everything, Joe, do you, do you want this out to the, to the general public though? Oh, um, do I want it for the general public? Well, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and ideally, uh, who knows if we get there, but ideally we can get, um, you know, replays of Overwatch League games, um, to the general public or you know other other pro level games um you know t- people um you know first season always complaining about oh we didn't watch enough of this or we watched too much of this um you know particularly supports versus dps from the observers but it, it, it to have the ability to take uh you know overwatch league season two stage three finals um uh, and and specifically watch the positioning and uh cooldown management of you know uh, somebody on Ana, for example, th- during during the championship series would just be fascinating to watch, um, and like you said, really has the potential um, to help people get better. Oh yeah, um, and it would also be huge to the media and people like us who like to analyze Overwatch. Um, it would give us more information and the general public more information on on how to be good at the game and um, just overall strategies and stuff like that. See see every I mean. There's a lot going on on an, on an Overwatch battlefield uh, during during one single fight. So just being yeah. able to see every aspect uh, would be amazing for the general public, and it would be probably one step closer to having an in-game spectator system for Overwatch League games as well, which is of course what everybody everybody wants. Yeah, um, I, I can't imagine how large that file would be. I imagine it's, it's relatively big, right? Uh, probably. So the game, <laughs> the significant, I think CSGO, v- Valve games do it. CSGO and uh, Dota. You can you can watch esports games in-game and in-client. Specifically with Dota, you can actually do virtual reality spectating and CSGO, actually. You can do virtual reality spectating and like actually be in the shoes of your favorite player, which is kind of weird. But uh, interesting at the same time. Um, yeah, so hopefully what, that's one of Real Leak Boy's real leaks because that would be amazing. Um, sure enough. Patch notes. A patch came out since our last our last uh, episode. The big the biggest part of this uh, match was our patch was uh, Busan new map. Um, of course, control map. We talked about it a little bit before. We're both excited for it. It's not competitive yet. That'll take about two weeks. Um, but as far as hero updates go, we also talked about the PTR pretty much. They they pretty much um, moved everything from the PTR onto this patch. Anything new you want to highlight, though? Uh, yeah, a couple uh, a couple small changes. Um, I, I think this is this was actually uh, from a more recent PTR patch, even than this. Uh, or maybe we didn't mention it or something, but now also on the live uh, live patch, you can see the outlines of your allies through walls. So it's kind of cool, um, even if you're even if you're not a support player or something. Um, uh, Ana changes have gone through on console. Uh, Brigitte's nerf to her shield bash that now will interact with Doomfist, uh, Doomfist rocket punch and right hearts charge. Um, that's now live. Uh, the Earth Shatter rework is now live, uh, which, as far as I can tell, feels really nice. So I'm a fan of that. Uh, notably, uh, the biggest difference from uh, the PTR patch we reported on a couple weeks ago and live now is Roadhog. Um, and the way this started was, um, I, I think it was even listed as 
Uh, no, it was not a bug. Uh, but uh, previously, Roadhog's alternate fire did not have fall off. Um, then, uh, fairly recently, it was changed on PTR so that he did, um, and there was sort of an uproar of complaint because uh, that did significantly reduce his DPS um, and effectiveness against, uh, for example, like Arisa barriers, which was a lot of the reason that uh, often you run a Roadhog was for shield break. Um, but so. Uh, because of that nerf, uh, he actually got a little bit of a rework, uh, which is again now live. Um, that his primary fire, primary fire fall off, um, the range has been increased um, all the way up to uh, fifteen, uh, fifteen to thirty meters is the fall off range now, which is essentially one hundred fifty percent of what it was. Um, in addition to now the alternate fire having fall off. Uh, at the same range, uh, so they operate about the same in that regard. Um, obviously, they still shoot differently. Um, but so it, it's interesting because uh, one of the perspectives uh, that, I, that I've heard is that um, back when they did the fall off changes for hit scan uh, for Widow and or not Widow, but like McCree and Soldier um, and removed fall off from Maze Icicle, the logic there was um, to make uh, projectile weapons or uh, to remove the fall off because of their um, additional difficulty to hit. Um, whereas hit scan obviously is much easier to get those hits reliably, um, and so the, the fall off damage was supposed to sort of counter that. But notably, Roadhog's uh, both his primary fire and his secondary fire are technically projectiles, uh, but now do operate with fall off, which is interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's just how it's going to be. Uh, they seem pretty comp uh, pretty satisfied uh, with that for right now. I imagine uh, they might iterate uh, a little bit more on this new Roadhog. Uh, for a while, but uh, I, uh, I personally have yet to see uh, exactly how that'll affect him yeah. overall. But uh, and then the last big thing uh, is Rialto. Uh, I think I briefly mentioned a couple weeks ago, a couple shows ago, that uh, Rialto uh, was really statistically a very defender favored map, uh, particularly the first point. Um, it had something like a 42 or 46% win rate for the attackers. Um, and so as sort of a buff to the attacker side of that map, um, Rialto, the payload now now travels more quickly and will stop at checkpoints uh, for less time. So, uh, yeah, those those are your, uh, your big uh, live changes now in this most recent patch. Yeah, um, lots of good changes. Not sure what to think about the Roadhog changes, but... Uh... Of course, they, the developers have overall, they 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 don't like one shots, um, and that that's that alternate fire. You could, the the one, getting one shot out by the alternate fire did feel very. It just didn't feel satisfying when you died to it, and they they have they harp on not. I harp on things like that, getting one shot, and they they don't like when things like that happen. Uh, so I'm not surprised they did it, but uh, probably not needed because <laughs> I don't know. They it seems like they hate Roadhog overall. As, it seems like they created Roadhog as, and then they were like, "We we hate this character <laughs> because they created Roadhog and he's like this one shot machine. Basically, he has a hook, he has a, this gun that can one shot people from very close up, or if you have the right spot on the alternate fire." And like he's basically just one shot the hero, and now they're like, <laughs> I regret making him with a magical 
wall transporting hook yeah. that they tried to fix for a while. <laughs> <laughs> there, it seems like they, they're all everything they've said about how they hate one shots and they what they don't like in gameplay. It seems like Roadhog is the like epitome of all of those ideas that they hate. <laughs> and it's just like, why did they make him then? Um, I love Roadhog. I've I've been a Roadhog player for a while, but. Anyway, patch looked looked pretty good. Um, as far as we've got some contenders news, um, NYXL picking up, uh, of course, XL2 Academy as their contenders team, and main roster both going to take up uh, Nene and Nanohana, who of course his name used to be Flower, and everyone's has to continually point that out. Um, <laughs> Because eventually he'll build a reputation with his new name. Yeah, well, we'll see if that happens. It's Nan Ohana now, guys. But um, yeah, they they pick up both of these uh, contender players. I don't think either of us are too surprised by this. I think we definitely expected Flower to be up once he was old enough, and Nene's he's he's a pretty good player. So both good pickups. Um, but I think the biggest news out of this is, um, NYXL has a lot of DPS players now. Uh, you think you think one of those are uh, going to get traded? Uh, let me pull up the list here just to double check. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it is important to know, um, that, you know that 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 was a rumor. We're talking about. I think you might have said that, but to, just to say it again, um, it, it might make a little bit more sense to me because uh, again, we're looking at um, NYXL right now. Sibiobi and Libero in particular. Um, but also Pine obviously has been playing mostly DBS. Um, but yeah, I wonder if because um, clearly these are two uh, players that they definitely want to take advantage of. I wonder if something like a move to um, to their uh, their double roster. I forget the official name for that, but though to a player status where you can play both on the uh, Overwatch League team and the Contenders team. Uh, that that would make um, probably a little bit more sense, I think, uh, for NYXL. Um, again, unless they have you know some plans to the contrary, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think you take advantage of of the hype behind Pine and how much like how people know and like love Pine at this point, and you you trade them for money, you trade them for a big name somewhere else. I mean, or even some talent for their contenders roster, maybe. Um, honestly, you, Pine, in my opinion, Pine, he's a great hit scan player, but he's, and he's he has some of the best plays. Like t- he's probably got like three spots on the top ten plays from this past season. But is he necessarily like a core piece to the NYXL roster? No, they can. They could be without Pine, and they'd be fine, especially adding uh, Nanahana Nenny to their roster and already having Sabiel B and, like, Libero on their team. I mean, I think Pine is probably the perfect trade bait because not only is he, like, super well-known, super hyped up, but they honestly don't – he's not a necessary part to their roster, in my opinion, either. It's true. Yeah, I hadn't, uh, hadn't thought about it in that way, but, yeah, he certainly – uh, he could be considered under underused definitely uh, by that team yeah I mean and even I think they used him in some situations that they might have not even needed him to be used in I think he's a super good hitscan player but he's 
you know, Hitscan isn't isn't the best at at the current time, um, unless you're playing Widowmaker. Uh, let's let's go into more into more rumors. But I'll tell I have we have on our on our little rundown here. We have two of the rumors that Mr. King Michael has has rumored. But he I probably upwards of ten rumors and leaks at this point he's tweeted about, and the entire subreddit has turned into our uh michael <laughs> he's doing an ama tomorrow i mean or today actually in a couple hours here he's doing an ama um but he is just the king of leaks right now none of these are like none of these are official yet so we're not going to talk about all of them i wanted to talk about um nrg's rascal their move the san francisco shock are that is nrg is their contenders team they're moving them up to the main roster i wanted to talk about this one because it also fuels a different rumor rascals of course a dps player shock another team a lot like nyxl that will have a lot of dps players with rascal on their team um, another rumor michael's been talking about is trading a huge trade with the shock happening and the shock players being super upset that one of their players are going to be traded. Let's talk about the shock DPS. Which one do you think they are going to want to trade? It's <laughs> a good question. We're sitting at uh, five with rascal, but even four without, uh, of course, baby base, Sinatra, Dante and architect. Uh, uh, I mean, of those four, certainly uh, based, based on sort of the, the shifting tide, um, Overwatch League Season 1, obviously we moved away from Baby Bay definitely by the end. Um, he, uh, he's sort of sort of like Shadowburn in that way. That he saw lots of play uh, from the Shocking Stage 1, um, so Stage 2, that sort of time, but then uh, was played hardly at all by the end of the season. Um, so it, of those four, perhaps Baby Bay. Um, obviously we know Sinatra's got an absolutely great Tracer. Um, Architect's their Widow player. Um, Dante always... always always putting in work um you know at junk right specifically is what i think of but uh, uh yeah probably of those four uh, probably baby bay i think yeah it's and i understand why the shock are upset that that um one of their friends are going to be traded but it seems like even the rumor says that like i think mentions that they like are threatening to like sort of not want to be on this shock anymore if they trade this player and like I don't know. I I don't like that aspect. That seems immature to me. And it's like they got to understand that this team is like a business too. And it's not going to be smart for the Shock to keep five DPS players. Why would that be smart? And they have to understand. It's it's almost half your roster. As an organization and as a team overall, the Shock have always had their strong point has always been DPS um, even before Sinatra was turned 18, DPS was their were their best players, and um, overall, the the shock players have to understand like they it would be stupid for San Francisco to keep all five of these players. As far as uh, everyone thinks, Dante is gone. Everyone thinks they're going to trade Dante to to Houston or somewhere else. Um, but I could see Baby Baby Bay for sure. Um, another player that they don't necessarily need anymore, and they played a lot less as the season moved on. Um, but uh, both Baby Bay and Dante, I think, are one of those. Both of those, I think they they're probably gone. You, you got to keep Sinatra. He's like he's your your guy at this point. Architects 
amazing. I think probably your best DPS player. Um, and of course you're bringing Rascal up. So you're, I don't think you're bringing Rascal up to trade him. Um, as far as other rumors go, here's another contenders rumor um, that the outlaws are signing Smurf. I, I wanted to point this one out as well because I think it's super interesting. Um, this could be a reason why Fact Fiction was released because Smurf is a main tank. Um, but we t- when I when we were talking about Fact Fiction being released, I was talking about how I didn't understand why they picked him up in the first place because Muma is probably the one of the best tanks in the league and you're not going to want to sit Muma because he's your best player. And now they're bringing in Smurf to, to sit behind Muma, which is uh, interesting again. Um, have you watched Smurf at all, play at all? He's on the GGEA team, of course. I'm not very familiar, you know. Yeah, I'm not too familiar either, but um, just just looking at, like, just seeing he was a main tank, I was like, I guess you have to have a backup, but... I don't know. Um, if if Muma gets injured or something like that, it's it makes sense. But um, and it makes sense to have Smurf instead of Fact Fiction. Fact Fiction is going to cost you a lot more money than Smurf probably will. Uh, overall, I doubt Smurf's going to play that much. Uh, Muma's just fantastic, unless there are rumors that Muma might be involved in this big trade as well, which would be very dumb of the Outlaws to do. But we'll see. <laughs> Can we do it? Can we finally talk about uh, this this Overwatch League formatting topic? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, we're at we're at fifty three minutes right now. We could talk about it for a little bit. I, I let's do it. Let's talk about it. Um, league formatting, of course, um, is a big topic. I guess before we get into talking about season two, let's talk about season one. Of course, season one split up into four stages. Each team plays 40, 40 games. Uh, there were two divisions, Pacific Atlantic. Um, they were split into uh, six, six teams each in each division. Uh, the divisions didn't matter besides if you win the division, then you get the bye week in, in the final playoffs. Um, Let's, huh, there's so much we could dive into. Let's first talk about stages. Um, split into four stages, of course. What overall pros, cons of the stages? What did you think about those? Yeah, so the stages, um, season one made sense because uh, you could sort of uh, define the stage by the way, or by the time you had completed a round robin, right? Because uh, each team had 10 matches per stage. Um, and there were 11 opponents. Um, so with with one exception, um, each team would play every other team um, for each stage. And that, that was great. Um, obviously, that can't happen with 20 teams. Uh, well, I mean, it could. But th- th- that, that same format um, is much more difficult to try to carry out. Uh, there was uh, one of the rumors we talked about a couple weeks ago about um, changing the stage format, um, only having like two stages per season. Uh, uh, which could take care of that. Um, you know, if if each team had um, say 19 matches per stage, uh, that still keeps the number approximately the same. Uh, my issue there would be, of course, uh, it's the same same thing it was then. That I think in order to keep uh, to maintain interest in the league, uh, to maintain um, you know to 
those viewing numbers. I think there needs to be um, enough uh, patch changes, uh, meta changes, map changes, whatever it needs to be um, to keep that kind of interest there. Um, and if it takes 19 matches, um, you know, presumably that's 10 weeks uh, between uh, between updates. That's I think that's going to be um, a little bit detrimental to the league. I mean, we saw um, even even last year, season one, uh, with five week stages, um, just because of the the huge raw number of matches that were played. Um, you, you know, we saw people um, getting burnt 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 out. You know, I you know by the end. Uh, well, certainly at the beginning, you know, preseason uh, stage one, I, I watched ninety um, percent or more of the matches that went on. Uh, but by the end of the season, you know, I was watching Philadelphia, I was watching uh, some of the you know LA Valley and New York, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, just because of the sheer amount of Overwatch, uh, to have to have ten weeks of one patch, uh, presumably one meta that evolves. Um, you know, very limited as it goes. I think that would be concerning. Uh, I guess I'll let you talk for a while, but that, that's my initial thing about about the stage. Uh, I just, yeah, um, to yeah. jump in, to jump in, there's a lot to unpack. Um, a lot to unpack with stages because originally, I don't think there was any thought about patches when it came to stages. It just happened that it was a perfect time to introduce a new patch. I think, according to Nate and Answer, the original thoughts of stages and why stages exist is because they wanted to create a format um, where they could have, where they would allow teams to travel to specific areas during, um, during a stage uh, and sort of spend their time in that area the entire stage. Uh, so the fact that there are teams from Korea and teams from China and teams from Europe and teams from America um, makes it hard, very hard for a city-based league that eventually wants teams to travel places to travel places all just randomly um, unless you sort of format it in this stage order because there's going to be a lot of like, if you don't format it in a stage order and let's say you're the Houston Outlaws and... Um, Let's say let's compare two teams, Houston Outlaws and maybe the Dallas Fuel. Let's say the Dallas Fuel have have three games in a row and they're all sort of in America. That's not going to be the same thing for Houston if it's sort of random. They could have one game in Houston, then have to travel to China the next week, then they have to travel to Europe the next week, and that's just insane and unfair to Houston who is going in three different time zones in three different weeks, doesn't really have time to practice because they're traveling all over the place while the Dallas Fuel maybe just has to travel to California and then come back to Texas. It doesn't make any sense. So what they wanted was to be able to differentiate, sort of make it so, okay, it's stage one. All of the teams from this division are going to be in Asia, and all the teams in this division are going to be in Europe for this entire stage, and then the next stage will come back to America or whatever, you know? which makes yeah. a lot more sense and is a lot more fair. Um, but it just ha so happens that stages also allow you to implement a new patch. And having to... It's the big patch debate. And for most people, it isn't a debate. Most people are like you, and most people are... I think most people are in the camp of if they don't switch patches and if they don't keep the game up to date... 
um, as often as, as we would like them to, then I'm going to get bored. Some people are like me and think that patches sort of, the patches make competition inconsistent and weird in the fact that, I mean, even if you look at the playoffs, other teams, it just makes it sort of inconsistent. We went into playoffs saying, okay, Valiant, they look really good lately. Same with the Gladiators and uh, and same with NYXL. And then we, we come into the playoffs and the patch change makes it so, nope, London and, and Philadelphia are good. Of course, it's not only the patch change, but it just seems like every stage, everyone is consistently different. Um, and it almost feels like it. Dallas Fuel, they were a great team on the patch towards the end of the season. But because of how they performed at the beginning of the season, we did not get to see one of the best teams on the current patch play in the playoffs or play at the highest level, which was felt kind of weird to me. And, and I think it's probably just coming from traditional sports where in a sports league, they're not changing how far away like the hoop is in basketball anytime soon. They're not Shit. changing rules in the middle of the season that make the favors like teams who have like, I mean, I think a perfect example is like if NFL changed a rule that made it like made running the ball a lot better, all of a sudden the teams with the off best offensive linemen and running backs, they're going to be the best team because they have, they have the better players in that part of the field. Um, and the teams with the who drafted the best wide receivers are going to be like, well, that's kind of unfair that you just did that in the middle of the season. Um, so coming from a sports perspective, it's kind of weird to me, but I know that you cannot just go the entire season on one patch because everyone's going to be upset based off of the fact that was it like stage three where they didn't put in the Hanzo changes? Was yeah. that it? Yeah, it was stage three. But, yeah, because yeah, they put in break. But they put in Brig, but they didn't put in Hanzo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was back when Brig was, like, super overpowered, too. Um, yeah. So I, I know from the fact, you just can't do that, from the fact that everyone's reaction was, we're upset that you're doing this. I want them to play on the current patch where I can learn the most from these pros and yeah. relate to the to the gameplay going on. So it's just something... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think even that uh, most of the players would probably agree with you too that i think uh from what we heard uh from what we heard last season that yeah most of the players uh, are also uh against the patch changes um uh, even as frequently as they are just again because of that uh consistency it makes practicing a lot easier um and that sort of thing yeah <laughs> yeah i mean another another argument against what i'm saying is um the viewers are gonna get bored obviously because competition won't have like evolve and we won't we'll be seeing the same strategies over and over again all season like if we were on the same patch as the first stage we would just be seeing dive over and over and over again for four months which i do admit would also be boring so it's just like a tough it's just like such a tough situation and i think the better solution is obviously is is the patches um and I think that's more entertaining than because still in the end, it's what it's whatever team can adjust to the patch, whatever team is the best at adjusting. And London was that. Um, yeah. And it's whatever team, whatever team can adjust on the fly, but also just whatever team can run 
every single can run dive, can run goats, can run all these different strategies. Um, and I'll give the example of like um, Team USA was running so many different types of compositions and so many strategies on the on um, on each map that they just dominated everybody. And that's that's the team. That's what you look for most in a team because at any point the game could change. I guess. Um, what do you, what, (laughs) there's so much to unpack in league formatting and stages. Let's, let's go into season two and stages. You mentioned that they're going to split it into two stages, but I think, so the way you mentioned it was 19 per stage, which would total to 38 games, which is how the British premier league does it actually. Um, but I believe the rumor numbered was 28 or 20, 26. I can't remember 26 games or something. That was the rumored number of games for season two. Uh, um, that was from, that's even more confusing. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was from bench mob. So if it was, I can't remember exactly the number, but if it's 26, then it's like 13 per stage. If it's 28, then it's 14 games per stage. Um, I doubt they would do an odd number because odd numbers are annoying. Yeah. Um but yeah, as far as as far as two stage do you like t- two stages two stages versus four stages? Why do you think they would change to two stages? What do you think what do you think is behind that thought? Um it, I guess it depends on um the way they decide cuz whatever they do, I think the number of teams that they have is pretty much going to necessitate a, a rethinking of the way they do their rankings, right? Um, yeah. 12 teams, it was super easy because, um, you, you know, because everybody plays each other all the time, whatever, and we have ranking that way. Uh, but with 20 teams, unless you want to have eight games a day, four ga- four days a week for 40 weeks, uh, and I don't, I don't know those numbers exactly, but some ridiculous amount of Overwatch, you're not going to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Um, and so I think... Uh, one idea I had actually uh, was uh, that if they decided to go with some type of pool play um, and maybe divide um, kind of like the Overwatch World Cup, um, kind of not, but maybe, you know, divide them up into, you know, say four groups of five teams um, and, and do pools um, to, to try, try to divide stuff up that way. Um, maybe make uh, re- remake some pools every um, every four matches based on results that sort of thing um, some kind of modified I don't I don't know the names of tournament structures but some kind of modified you know ladder climbing thing uh, and make that your stage format it would be really complicated but um, that would allow uh, in that way you could put in a patch um, after every or or a stage break or however you wanted to think about it, after every set of uh, and you wouldn't do this, but you'd have the ability uh, to make a stage break or a patch break or something after every set of four or five matches, right? After each um, after each round of pool play is completed, um, and whether they um, did that based on Atlantic Pacific divisions, whether they um, tried to add more divisions, I don't know. Uh, I guess they probably wouldn't do that if they wanted to keep an all stars format, but uh, but yes, it's some type of thing uh, like that. I think 
the, the, the basic structure has definitely got to change um, if they want to avoid just a glut of games. Because, again, that's that also, I think, is going to hurt viewership overall. Oh, yeah. And I think overall their decision to go with not what you're saying in 38 games is is just the amount of games they would have to put in. I know, like I was saying, the Premier League, which is the European British Soccer League, has 38 games per team. But that is spread out nine months throughout the year. They only have a two and a half month break like the summer so they they play 38 games but it is throughout nine months it's like once a week sometimes twice a week so it's super spread um overwatch league would have to spread their schedule out if they had that many games with this many teams now um but what i predict to do based off the fact that that they're borrowing most of their ideas and format ideas um from traditional sports besides the stages and all this all this other stuff they're doing um i think like like they said they're doing two stages but i i honestly think they keep it pretty similar to how they did it last season i think the biggest thing is like you're saying do they do four divisions or do they stick to like 10 divisions of two or two divisions of 10 i mean <laughs> 10 divisions of two that would be so wow <laughs> Um, and I think someone plotted it out on the Reddit this past past week, if they did four divisions, what it would look like. And if they're doing it based off of location, uh, the Atlantic, Atlantic, like East division or something, whatever it would be called, would be stacked with basically like the four best teams from last season, like Philadelphia, Boston, New York, York and London, <laughs> were all in the same division. Yeah. So if you only played the teams in your own division, that would be kind of, kind of unfair because probably a di- because of that, one division would be lacking talent and one division would be full of talent. But I do assume that we're still going to have two conferences, Atlantic and Pacific. Whether or not they split those into two divisions, I'm not sure. And I assume that you're going to be playing more games against teams in your conference than the other conference based off of what they want to do eventually, which is travel to each location. So they want the teams that are closer to each other to play each other more often. Um, and then uh, I, I, I honestly don't know. I think another big thing, I think this is this will this conversation on this podcast. We could talk more about tons of other formatting stuff, but this will mainly be talking about stages. I think we should finish it off talking about stage playoffs with more teams and the fact that I mean, last year you didn't play every other team in a stage. You always missed one, right? You always missed one other team. Yeah. With these stages, you're going to miss a lot of other teams especially if it's 26 or 28 you're going to miss either five or a lot more teams either five or six more teams and stage playoffs might get a little bit more unfair because of it i mean what what did you think of stage playoffs and the stage championship last year for each stage did you buy into that format did you buy into how to the hype of the stage championships um i I think Again, for the format they had last year, I think so, um, generally, um, that it made sense to have um, to have the stage playoffs, like you said, um, obviously, um, they couldn't have predicted necessarily, but for teams like Dallas Fuel, uh, right, that had a really amazing um, stage four, um, although I guess, were they even in stage four playoffs? 
yeah, Dallas Fuel was in stage four playoffs. They lost they to New, okay. New York XL in the semifinal. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so, so for cases like that, I think that's great. Uh, that's, that's definitely what they need. Um, yeah, as far as trying to come up with, um, you, you know, for, for a larger division, um, or for a larger league going up to 20 teams, um, I don't know what kind of precedent there is for this. Um, but I, I think it would probably, again, without requiring, a 19 game round robin every time uh, it would probably require some kind of fancy math um, that uh, again would complicate uh, things for the average viewer but in order to get some kind of strength of schedule um, qualifier some kind of whatever whether it's uh, whether it's like a, a ladder uh, a ladder type play or not but um in order to, in order to to be able to compare teams that way, I think that is going to be important. Uh, okay, again, without going with a full round robin, uh, which it sounds like is is not the goal necessarily. Yeah. Um. As far as stage playoffs and championships go, from this past year with the four stages, I was the, uh, by the, the at the first one I was excited, but as they went on, I was like, okay, what's the point of these really? And I didn't like, I don't know. While it was, it's kind of that effect of like, okay, London's like the first stage champion. That's pretty cool. And then as it went on, the stage champions like started to fill up more and it didn't feel as special. It was like, okay, like they didn't even, all they do is win money. And like, this doesn't matter towards the playoffs at the end of the season. And maybe it even like murked up, like it kind of made it murky for us fans. Like, okay, how much did the, the playoffs just in other stage playoffs and like it kind of in my opinion might have made the actual playoffs a little bit worse than they they could have been um and a little less hype than they could have been but with two stages i like the idea of stage playoffs um with only two stage playoffs happening maybe or maybe even just having one playoffs after stage one and then having an actual playoffs after stage two um instead of having stage two playoffs and then the actual playoffs, because I think that was probably the most, most confusing part for me was stage four playoffs. And then they had to take like a month break and then actual playoffs. Yeah. That part was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they could work on some timing, but <laughs> definitely can work on some timing. Uh, but as far as like, I don't know if they'll, since it's not a round Robin, the NFL isn't a round Robin either. You play only 16 games and there are 32 teams. And they still just, they don't care. They put whoever has the best <laughs> records in the playoffs. Um, doesn't matter if one team had a pretty terrible strength of schedule. They earned it because they have one of the best records in the league. And to be fair, only 12 of the 32 teams make the playoffs. So even if you do have a really easy strength of schedule, it's going to be like, it's going to be pretty hard to make the top 12 regardless. Uh, you're going to have to be a pretty good team to make that top 12 out of 32. Um, so overall, um, as, as the league grows and you can't have round robin type things, I think they will have stage playoffs once again, will it still be four or will they make it six or eight now that they're 20 teams? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think they'll just make it simple. They'll just do best records still, um, and maybe make it a little more, try to add something that adds hype to it. Maybe bring a trophy in or something like that. And, 
uh, give it a little little more hype, but maybe not, not too much hype. You still want your most hype thing to be the championship. There's no doubt about that. Definitely. Uh, but overall, we're, I feel like we're talking so abstractly. We have like no physical evidence of any of this happening at this point. But um, yeah, overall, there's going to be changes next year, and I can't wait to till they get released so we can talk more about it but these these predictions and speculations are pretty nice um we're pretty deep into the podcast i think we have there's a lot more formatting things we could talk about so add that to the rundown uh once again next week and maybe we can talk a little bit more about something else um and uh do we want to we could briefly mention this this dev update that's coming soon hopefully we'll talk more about it once it comes out and on the next episode but there are possible fera changes coming out everyone's kind of confused as to why um (laughs) and some maybe the social features that were rumored um we have no real we don't really have any clue what jeff kaplan's gonna be on camera talking about this time but um, we were talking earlier you said you know we just got a new map uh we just fairly recently got a new hero uh we're not expecting one until blizzcon at least uh we just recently had a uh you know the diva event we just recently got a uh the diva short uh animated short you know it's uh who knows what's coming up <laughs> yeah i mean whether it's uh, most of the developer updates are either patch changes or they're events talking about events or talking about new maps or new heroes and we've we've knocked out so many of those recently and we know the new hero's not coming till blizzcon and it's like okay what what could this possibly be um but we'll see uh that's this that's episode five uh let's close with some some social media handles twitter you can follow me personally jw george iv uh you can follow joe kirkpatrick underscore inc inc you can follow this show on twitter on the flank show you can email us, of course, if you want us to talk about certain topics. On the flank show at gmail.com. Send us an email. Of course, you found this podcast some way, but if you want to find it in a different way or listen to it on a different platform, we are on the flank.podbean.com. We're on uh, YouTube. Uh, my channel name is John George. Um, iTunes, of course, we post the, the link on Twitter all the time. You can subscribe. And now we are going to be on Spotify. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're reaching out, um, broader, broader audience. It's going to be great. Broader audience. We're, we're about to blow up. Um, yeah. Thank you guys uh, for listening and check you, check you guys next week.